We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are three teams that Nick DeWayla and I each are very intrigued by, interested in, confused by. They're not necessarily the best teams in fantasy for fantasy football purposes, but ones we're interested in. We're going to discuss those. We'll just discuss the morass that's going on in Indy, talk about Joe Burrow, and a whole lot more coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Nick Whalen. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We're always thrilled to be doing this. Uh, super excited about today. Uh, getting back into just it, it's really starting to get into this routine, this rhythm now with the NFL training camps. I watched a lot of NFL Network training camp coverage uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, especially because like Saturday morning, there was no other like live sports on. It was perfect. I was just and the NFL Network kind of went all out on their training camp yeah. coverage uh, all over the place. So I watched a lot of that. Um, unfortunately, uh, Nick, we got like some annoying negative news to deal with right off the top. Let's start off in Indy, Jonathan Taylor. This situation seems to be getting worse. It does. It does. I, you know, I kind of gave myself a crash course on this last night, uh, this morning, you know, really kind of catching up on, on all angles here. And, uh, I mean, things have rapidly deteriorated between Jonathan Taylor and, and the Colts and, you know, one piece I was reading this morning, I think it was a CBS article, you know, basically implied that, you know, that, you know, the, the writer was saying, I, I think Jonathan Taylor has played his last down for the Indianapolis Colts. It's like, that would have, that would have seemed crazy for someone to say like three days ago. And, and now here we are, that the situation is kind of in some ways tied into the, the greater, you know, picture of, of running back struggling to get paid. You know, obviously Jim Irsay probably didn't need to come out and say, look, we're not paying you. We're not even talking about it. I, I think that, uh, likely rub Taylor and his camp the wrong way and, and and is part of this. But, you know, now this is turning into a, you know, he said this, his camp said this, you know, he, he reported a back injury. No, I didn't said Jonathan Taylor. So uh, yeah. right when we, you know, kind of got out of the woods with Saquon Barkley and we could say, all right, we, we now know where we can safely draft Saquon in fantasy drafts. Here we go with, with a, a, you know, kind of related situation with Jonathan Taylor. Related, but a year, you know, it's like a year behind. Right. It's not supposed to happen this year. Uh, no. It, it really isn't, you know, Taylor and it, it's funny. So the, the whole chronology, Taylor missed mini camp and OTAs. He worked out on his own. And apparently that was a bigger issue than let on um, that, that the Colts were very upset about that. Jim, Jim Ursay, early July pronounced Taylor fully recovered from the ankle. 
Taylor reports late to training camp. He goes on the pup list right away. You know, he gets angry about the Barkley and Jacob situations. Ursay, Jim Ursay pipes up and says, you know, oh, be, be quiet. Don't talk about this. You know, it's like basically smacking him down publicly, of course, too. He can't just reach out to him or anything like that. No. Then they then there's this Reich report. Oh, they're meeting. OK, they're going to air out their differences. It'll be fine. And then like like, oh, they met today. It, it, you know, it seemed, it seemed like there was this like positive spin to it. Mm-hmm. And then two hours later, Taylor demands a trade. Two hours after that, Ursay says, we're not trading him ever. Um, you know, it just, and it just devolved since then. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it, it can't be any worse right now for a non-injury situation. Not really. And, you know, there, there is some injury tied into this too, as you alluded to, right? right? I mean, he's technically, he's technically on the preseason pup list and look, a bunch of big name guys around the league are on preseason pup. So that, that's not really the big deal here, but uh, you know, I, I think one of the the points of consternation is going to be not really the ankle injury, which we thought was the the real problem, but you know this alleged back injury that that could end up, you know, in theory at least, landing Jonathan Taylor on you know kind of the the non football injury list, which would enable the Colts to uh, you know not only have a path to not paying him this season for as long as he's on that list, but if he were you know let, let's say it, it, which to me is still pretty unlikely, but this is something that the Colts have put out there, so we, we have to talk about it. If he were to land on that list, not play this season, it's not like, okay, now he's you know uh, going to do for a new contract next year. Like his, his 2023 contract year would basically roll over and become 2024. So that is something that would, in theory, benefit the Colts a lot more than it would Jonathan Taylor. But uh, honestly, I don't know where we're going from here. I, I, nobody you know, has any kind of real inside information on where this is headed. Uh, you, know, you could talk about potential landing spots if they were to agree to trade Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and to me, those are all kind of the same teams that have been sniffing around Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, guys like that. Yeah. So let's put the rubber to the road here. You're, if you're drafting tonight, how far does Jonathan Taylor have to drop before you're taking him? Oh, man. I, I mean, you know the way I draft, Jeff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really interested in these type of situations. And there's enough, uh, I, I think, fire here from both sides that I, you know, I, I'm staying away. For the most part, um, you know, obviously, at, at some point, you'll draft just about any player. You know, right now, over the last two weeks, Jonathan Taylor is going about pick 15 in NFFC drafts. Uh, you know, to me, if you're doing the JT or Nick Chubb debate, I mean, it's pretty easily Nick Chubb right now. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard versus Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry versus Jonathan Taylor. Those become debates. I would go uh, with Pollard and Henry, given the situation right now. I mean, I, I think I think Jonathan Taylor – thinks that he's done playing for the Colts, right? And that if, if he's now going to play for another team, that's going to require the Colts to play ball here. And they've given no indication that they want to do that. Their owner may not be considered a rational actor uh, at this point. Right. So I think you, we have to consider that as a, a major, major factor here. Like, you know, week one is, is what, like six weeks away, five, five and a half weeks away. I mean, this is, this is something that should have been aired out months and months ago. And now you're kind of doing it on this condensed timeline. So uh, long way of answering your question. I'm just, I'm really not drafting Jonathan Taylor. If I'm doing a draft tonight now, 24 hours from now, we, we might have more information. Yeah. And in the last two weeks, his, Taylor's range in 40 drafts in the NFFC is from between eight and 26. I got to bet that 26 was just in the last couple of days. Um, I think he goes lower than that. If on draft starting tonight, I think he starts going into the like fourth, fifth round. I ain't, I, I, yeah, you can't, you can't have a guy that's just not playing with those top three picks. I mean, you just can't, um, yeah. uh, my Vegas team, by the way, has both Taylor and Joe Burrow. Thank you uh, for Love you know, loving it, loving it. But like, 
I, I mean, I, I, I don't take Brees Hall over him. I don't think, but it'll be close. Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, I, that that's kind of the range we're looking at now. Yeah, which is crazy because those guys are going. You know, Aaron Jones. I've been saying it's been going too late, and you know his ADP. Uh, if you just look at the last couple of weeks here, it's starting to creep up a little bit, but he's still going around pick, you know, 47 to 50 yeah. in a lot of drafts. So, I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a huge, huge multi-round fall for Jonathan Taylor. And look, I, you know, some people listening to this might disagree and say, no, I, I think this is going to be figured out. That's way too far to let him fall. I mean, that's like RB 15, 16 territory. Uh, and I understand that argument as well. Obviously, if they, if they do get this figured out and you're getting him at 35 in a draft this week, that's going to be a huge bargain. But uh, it, it just depends how you approach it. You know, what, what what your tolerance of risk is, what type of league it is. You know, if it's a $2 underdog draft, then yeah, maybe I'll still take them in the second round because who cares if it doesn't work out. But if it's a $500 buy-in, uh, you're thinking a lot more about that decision. Absolutely. If you're uh, streaming with us right now, let us know where you think uh, Taylor should, where you would be willing to take Jonathan Taylor, uh, if at all. Uh, it doesn't stop with Taylor in terms of the bad news of the Colts too, because Zach Moss broke his arm today. Yeah, he did. Broke his forearm. Uh, you know, technically they're they're backup running back right now. Uh, you know, didn't see a ton of him last year. Uh, you know, had about 75 rush attempts across eight games, came over from Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, he, he broke the forearm today. Well, we'll see uh what the timetable ends up being. I think initially I saw like six weeks is the estimate. Yeah. So, you know, likely sidelining for maybe week one and week two could be back shortly after that. But I mean, this is something that would not even really be on our radar all that much. Like Zach Moss, it's not been uh, big time fantasy considerations. Like maybe he's going in like the final round of a draft. But uh, given everything that's going on with Jonathan Taylor, this this suddenly becomes headline news. I almost feel like the Colts are a stay away team in a way, too. I mean, you've got the debate between yeah. Minshew and Richardson at quarterback. I mean, just the dysfunction. I mean, I I know you've got a head coach that I'm interested in. Um, you've got some talent, Pittman, Pierce, Downs. I like all three to certain degrees. Jelani Woods has yeah. some interest. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just the, I, first of all, I lived in Indy when the Colts moved there. Um, and Jim Ursay's dad, Bob Ursay was not a nice human being. Um, and there, there is, he, he was kind of a miserly sort of owner as well. Uh, obviously moved the team away in the dead of the night, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I just there. I mean, it shouldn't be like that's a reason why not to draft Colts players, I suppose. But at the same time, it does hang over a little bit. Uh, if with with uh, both with Taylor and Moss possibly both out, you're looking at Deion Jackson, rookie Evan Hall, Jake Funt, Funk, excuse me, Xavier Scott. I mean, it's you know, it, it's uh, uh, not a name brand backfield to say the least. No, it's not. I mean, we saw a little bit of Deion Jackson last year filling in for Jonathan Taylor. He did have did have four Big games game. with more than ten yeah. carries. Um, so you know, we, we at least have kind of seen it with him. I and mean, was never super super impressive, but somebody that at least has some reps. And you, know, you kind of mentioned as Indy just feeling like this this stay away team. I mean, I would argue that they were almost in that category before the Jonathan Taylor thing, right? Like it was kind of J JT and everybody else, right? It's like you'll you'll take Michael Pittman. You're not going to feel great about it. You know, he's kind of tethered to what could be a rocky quarterback situation. Other than that, I mean, they, they only have three players going in the top 150 of most fantasy drafts, right? I mean, Alec Pierce is closer to like 175. Uh, there mm -hmm. are not many teams that have that few players, uh, you know, in, in such a wide range. So it, they're almost kind of a stay away by default. And, and look, a lot of that stems from the, the unknown at quarterback, right? I mean, if Anthony Richardson starts week one and hits the ground running and has a fantastic rookie year and, you know, looks like a huge hit, then it's going to bring up 
Michael Pittman. It's going to bring up Alec Pierce. You know, maybe Jelani Woods has a little bit of a breakout. So, you know, that that's usually the through line with a lot of these teams where you're saying, man, I'm not, not seeing a lot of love for Indy. I'm not seeing a lot of love for Washington or Houston in the top 150. Well, the common denominator there is we just, we don't trust their quarterback play right now. That, that's right. Um, so, yeah, and, and that's, oh, and the Colts, it's, and it goes deeper with the Colts too, because they were such a clown show last year. In terms of yep. Coaching decisions and they like pretty much, management slash ownership dictating who was going to start at quarterback and almost like purposefully tanking. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those uh, situations there where, yeah, I, I think people are going to wash their hands of it there. You know, I, I think Pittman's yeah. going to get hurt by this too. I think Pearson, you know, I, I'm interested in Pearson and downs. I think for the, especially for the price, I think Woods could be interesting too. I mean, again, I like the head coach. I, at least I like the idea of the head coach. We'll see uh, what, what, he, what he's given with. That offensive line was supposed to be a strength last year, and it wasn't. We'll see. Did they bounce back? Uh, anyhow, we got other – this is not – the Colts are not one of our intriguing, beguiling and uh, No, they're not. Teams. So they are beguiling, but they're not intriguing. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, okay, Burrow, Joe Burrow. Okay, he's hurt. Move on. No. Uh, uh, at least I had a good week last week uh, with in, in personal life, so I could let the Joe Burrow news just wash over me a little bit there. He's out several weeks uh, with the cap injury. Um, how far are you pushing him down in your draft rankings, your QB rankings? Uh, honestly, not not too far. I mean, it, it, it's bad news. You know, it's, it's doom and gloom if you're uh, you know Cincinnati Bengals fan, as you are. But it, to me, it, it still almost feels like a net positive because of how, you know, for like a half hour there, I believed that Joe Burrow may have torn his Achilles. And then when he found out that it wasn't that, uh, you know, it, it, it was kind of such a, a relief that even if he ends up missing – Week one, week two of the year, um, I, I'm just kind of breathing a sigh of relief that he's not going to miss more time. So I'm not that concerned about it. I mean, you know, it probably pushes Lamar Jackson over him. I was I was taking Justin Herbert, you know, over Joe Burrow in, in some underdog leagues where I was getting a little bit loose. Uh, but I think, you know, I'd still probably be doing that now. Uh, you know, does Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence become more of a debate for you? Because I, unless we see some some evidence, you know, in the next few days or few weeks here that Joe Burrow is for sure missing multiple weeks, I, I think I'm still taking him over Trevor Lawrence. I think it's that's the range I'm looking at. I think he, you know, currently in the NFFC, the QB tiers go like Mahomes and Allen and Hurts in the first mm -hmm. tier. Usually Mahomes first, but uh, and keep in mind six points for a passing touchdown in the NFFC. Uh, then Burrow and Jackson and Herbert all in one tier, and I think it moves Burrow down to the Lawrence and Fields tier. Um, you might you might head up that tier, but I think he's there now. I think you take Jackson and Herbert over Burrow now. Okay. So, yeah, so we're talking, you know, a difference of basically, you know, Around. early to mid third round to, yeah, maybe end of the end of the fourth. I mean, Lawrence Fields, those guys are almost exact same ADP around 52 overall. Uh, yeah, I think that's fine. I think given, given the profile, that's fine. And I think the other thing is like, I also, I also really like those other top five guys. Like it's not, it's not right. really hard for me to be like, Oh, I, I guess I'll move Justin Herbert ahead of him. It's like, I think Justin Herbert could be the MVP if things break right. You know, like Lamar Jackson has been an MVP. He's been the best quarterback in fantasy. Yep. So, uh, you know, part of it is you're a little worried about Joe Burrow, but you know, we're also always kind of like looking for excuses to move some of these guys up. So when you get something like this, uh, it's not hard to, to move someone like Lamar Jackson a few spots higher. For sure. Um, and the other thing too, is like, what do you do with the receivers? Do you move chase out of the top two or three? I mean, uh, do you, do you move T Higgins down in, uh, 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 around or half around? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, do you move Mixon or do you move anybody in the, uh, the rest of the Bengals? I mean, you're looking at Trevor uh, Simeon as his backup probably, or Jake Browning. Right. Right. Um, and, and you're hoping of course, that this is one, maybe two games, you know, again, if it's beyond that, then this is kind of a different conversation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really doing a whole lot with, with Mixon or T Higgins. I think those guys are, are pretty insulated. I mean, if you want to have the you know Tyree Kill versus Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs versus Jamar Chase conversation, I think that's reasonable. And it, it, you know, kind of like what we just said about quarterbacks, it's like I, I also just love those receivers. They're, they're all really elite. And you know, if you if you're kind of telling yourself, okay, I'm bracing for maybe two or three games without Joe Burrow to begin the year, then yeah, maybe that that kind of breaks the tie uh, between someone like Chase and Tyree Kill, but. Uh, I guess the number one concern for me is, you know, Jamar Chase has, has been banged up the last couple of years. If he if he doesn't have Joe Burrow to begin the year and then you're saying, OK, maybe I think he misses two to three games throughout the year. Uh, you know, all of a sudden that's like, you know, uh, almost a quarter of your season that you're that you're worried about there. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of have to talk myself into it. As you can tell, I, I think I'm still pretty comfortable taking Chase about where he's going. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'm. Yeah, I, I think I probably will, but man, and it's just because it's not like he's going to get a zero with whoever other quarterbacks right. there. He's he's still going to get targets. I I I'm the more I'm thinking about this. If Burrow misses two three games, I'm taking Lawrence over him. I'm taking okay. Fields over him because not only is he going to miss games, but then he's also probably not going to run when he comes back too. And not that Burrow is mm-hmm. you're you're drafting him for his running skills per se, but yeah. he he would get you three rushing touchdowns you know, four rushing touchdowns. He would scramble mm-hmm. for some yards here and there. He's a decent scrambler. That's right. that could be taken away here, especially because it's a non-contact thing. It's like, ah, oh, you just, you, mm-hmm. you just, you're really worried about him. Next time he picks up to run, what happens? Does it go again? Yeah. You know, calf injuries well, that, are recurring. Right. That's the other thing. That, that's maybe the number one concern. It's not, it's not necessarily for me. How many games has he missed to begin the year? It's okay. Can he, well, let's say he comes back for week three. Mm-hmm. Can he be counted on to play the rest of the season consecutively? I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's something question. that, um, and, and, you know, if you're Cincinnati, you're making sure that he's fully healthy, right? You're, you're exposing yourself to as little risk going forward as possible. Maybe that leads to a, a slightly longer timeline, but as, unless you've seen anything else, all I've seen so far, Jeff is he's out several weeks in camp. Yep. So I, I haven't even really seen a true estimate. I think it's purposely vague. I think they, yeah, uh, that's fine. it's one of those things. And they may not even know for that matter too. Right. It's just it's sufficient for us to know it's several right now. They don't have it, there's no injury report right now in the NFL. Teams aren't yep. going to give us full details usually. Uh, you're going to get estimates and they're be, they're pretty broad at that. All right, Seattle running backs, both Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet are banged up. Yeah, they are. Kenneth Walker, uh, not quite as worried about this one. I mean, he's he's week to week uh, dealing with a strained groin, uh, just kind of something that you see you know early in camp. One of those those kind of uh, you know, Dixon cuts type of things. Uh, not super worried about that, but uh, Charbonnet, they're, they're being really vague about this one uh, out indefinitely with, with a shoulder injury. We don't really even know exactly what the injury is at first. It was undisclosed. And then we were able to glean that it was the shoulder, but sat out practice on Saturday, sat out practice on Sunday, uh, obviously will not practice today. And yeah, I mean, it, it, there's not a whole lot more we could say right now, but this, this one seems like it could be a bit more serious. Yeah, I, I debate how actionable it is at this point because you're not drafting him really as your starter. Um, right. I, at least I don't. You shouldn't be. I don't think. But uh, you know, and and the, the you know the Walker versus Charbonnet thing was already one of those things they were kind of hurting each other. Walker is RB seventeen in the last two weeks. Charbonnet he's all the way down at thirty nine or thirty eight. Excuse me. 
Like I'd move Jamal Williams over him. I'd I'd move Shane over him. Jarek McKinnon over him probably. Uh, maybe even Damian Harris. Uh, I think like I think that's it, it. Would be about a good five spot drop. I think for me. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, he was already somebody that uh, you know you kind of saw a lot of people polarized on, right? You either yeah. thought he was going to be a, a contributor, you think he can cut into that workload, or you're a big Kenneth Walker guy and you're, you're skeptical that that both these guys can coexist. So, yeah, I mean, it's far enough down the board that there were already question marks. I think it's a little bit easier to to justify um, taking a healthier player, a player with a clearer role, a player that we've seen play in the NFL before uh, over Zach Charbonnet. So I'm with you on Jamal Williams. Um, you know, in certain formats, you could talk me into Jarek McKinnon, uh, who, who was fantastic as a pass catcher. And I, I think they're still going to lean on him quite a bit this year with the lack of proven production in that Chiefs wide receiver core. And then, yeah, I mean, to me, like, a-Chain, kind of a lottery ticket. You know, he's going around like 115, 120. I think if he hits, he could hit pretty big. Uh, you know, kind of fits in perfectly with that offense. And then you mentioned Damian Harris, somebody I've been drafting quite a bit, almost as like, I, I like James Cook, but I don't necessarily trust that Buffalo's just going to kind of turn this thing over to him. That's not really who they've been. Um, so he, he's kind of one of my, my, my favorite running backs to grab late in drafts. I mean, he's going after RB40 right now. Yeah, and you know, he's going to get some share. It may not be like yeah. a full share, but you know, you know, that guys like that are really useful. I feel like because you're, you know, their, their bye weeks are coming at some point, and then yep. who knows? Maybe something happens to Cook where he, then all of a sudden Harris becomes a full-on guy too. But you know, at, at the very least, there's a floor there. Um, there, there's a higher floor there, I should say. Uh, there, there's something that you can use during your bye weeks at the very least, and right, possibly well, and, start and- other times. And he plays for the Bills, right? Which is a plus, you know, yep. that's a top, that's a top five scoring offense. That's mm-hmm. an offense that, you know, will likely be in that range again this year. They were top 10 in rushing yards. There's always, you know, they're, they're always in the red zone. You, you do worry about Josh Allen, uh, you know, kind of absorbing much like you do Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, a lot of those, those rushing touchdown opportunities. But I also think that Josh Allen has reached that point in his career already, even though he's still young, where they're going to think more about being cautious with him, limiting those rushing sure. opportunities, especially during the regular season. So um, you know, I, don't, I, th- I think we think of the Bills as like a team that's kind of struggled running the ball. They haven't had like a star running back in forever, uh, but that, that really hasn't been the case. And I think, you know, some of that rushing workload will eventually, uh, you know, kind of transfer over from Josh Allen to to more of the traditional running backs. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, one other news item I wanted to bring up. Alvin Kamara today, there's a story out, uh, Catherine Terrell, a writer for ESPN covers the saints said that there's a story basically where he says he wants to tell, uh, his side of the story on his Vegas scuffle to Roger Goodell. Uh, the hammer hasn't come down from the NFL yet. Made me think like, why hasn't he already? Why hasn't he had this conversation with Goodell? I mean, why are the wheels of justice moving so slowly here? Uh, the, the, the legal case has been resolved. I mean, it's settled. It's been done for a while yet. This is still like a sort of Democles hanging over Kamara's head. Like, is there going to be a suspension or not? How long is it going to be? Why, why hasn't this been resolved yet? No idea. No idea. Wish I could give you an answer. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen said, said, you know, earlier this week or, or late last week that, you know, the, the NFL has not communicated to Kamara. They have not communicated to him, ownership, anybody affiliated with the team as to whether a suspension will be coming. So right. I, I don't, you know, we were, we were in the same situation this time last year. And, you know, the only thing that's really changed, I guess, is that Camara, you know, reached that plea agreement and is no longer facing a felony, which, which is a big deal. It's a big deal PR wise. It's a big deal legally. Uh, now it doesn't necessarily affect what the league does here because they, they kind of operate their own, you know, court system, uh, you know, as far as like the personal conduct policy and whatnot. But 
I, I think I view that as good news for Kamara. And, you know, it sounds like he, he kind of wants to just get everything out there, have this conversation before a decision is made. But I mean, the league's, the league's running out of time here, right? I, I don't know what the delay is. Yeah. Um, I, I just, maybe it's just a, a matter of, you know, just the NFL wanting to do it this way. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, there, there are things I don't know about. Maybe it's something that tied into the collective bargaining agreement, but I don't know. the point is it's still there. I haven't rostered Kamara yet in any of my drafts, um, best ball or you know, managed leagues. I just, I've, it's been a stay away for me. Uh, I understand there's probably a windfall possibility, but I also think there's, there's issues with performance as well and usage as well as the suspension. Yeah, that to me is almost a bigger concern. I, I'm happy to grab Kamara in, in best balls. Um, you know, that's been the, the vast majority of my drafts so far. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. The, the, the dramatic difference once Drew Brees left the Saints to what that offense has become. And, and look, I, I think it will be better this year with Derek Carr. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's kind of become underrated in some ways. And we, we forget how bad the quarterbacking was in New Orleans for a lot of last season. But I don't, I also don't know we're ever going to get back to that, you know, late career Drew Brees dink and dunk system that played perfectly into Alvin Kamara's hands when he came into the league, right? I mean, he was immediately 80 catches as right. a rookie. Um, he had exactly 81 catches three years in a row and then had 83 his fourth year and then dropped down to 47 and then 57 last year. So, you know, as far as pass catching goes for running backs, still good. But I mean, he was that like all time elite, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield territory early on. And I just think that's a different era of Saints football. That's not coming back. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then there's the Taysom Hill like issue, just hovering around, just vulturing points from everybody. Um, just, making all of us cringe. You, I, you absolutely hate Taysom Hill. I, I, I do. love this. I really do. Um, <laughs> Anytime I, you I have, have an opportunity to jab Taysom Hill, you take it. Well, it's just because, uh, you know, he's an effective player. <laughs> I don't hate him, the person. Yeah, I hate... He's like a nice guy. I'm sure he's he's a swell guy. He just gets in the way of everything. That's all. Mm-hmm. And you can't... But not often enough that you can actually use him, though, either. Right? And that, that's the thing. He just is there to spoil. Um, fantasy purpose-wise. For the Saints, yeah. it's great. Saints fans probably love him. Uh, and good for them. We love being on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, after that silk, you know, smooth transition there, we also have another uh, ad real quick before we start getting to our intriguing teams. Uh, quick note from our good friends at Circa, who we're about to see again pretty soon. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million American. Last place takes home a $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million total is guaranteed. You can also join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20 and zero or be the last person standing to win it all. $8 million guaranteed, $14 million total in guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for details. And you just have to enter in Nevada. Then you can hire what's known as a proxy. I've done this before. Um, and you can, they, they have this official service. They'll have them there at the, at Circa, at their properties. Uh, you sign up with the, you know, you know, sign up a deal with them. They'll put in your picks. You have to pay a little premium for that. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're like me based in California, you can go ahead and do that and still participate in this great contest. I will be doing the survivor contest again this year. I will do better than last year. I hope, um, I will not be picking on uh, picking Trey Lance in the rain on the road. Uh, let's just, just say it, leave it at that. All right, uh, Nick. Sorry about that. I made that personal. Oh, hey, I, I did the same thing in my uh, in my Pick'em League as well. I, I assume you're referencing that. Was it the Bears game early on? Bear, yeah, Bears-Niners, week one. Yep, yep. brutal. Ugh. Brutal. Ugh. Okay, let's move on. Our whole theme today is six teams, three for each of us, that are the most intriguing teams. They could be not necessarily the best teams. Intriguing, beguiling, frustrating, interesting. Make the case for each of them here. Let's start off with you. you. You mentioned the Ravens as one of those teams you want to talk about. Yeah, and you you laid it out well. I mean, we we don't love to do like super structured topics on this show, um, but I, I thought this was a good way to just kind of spotlight some teams. And, you know, I went through last night and you're, you're looking at the whole league. I always go to football reference and just kind of, uh, you know, try to pick out certain teams. And I mean, I, you could make a case for just about everybody. There's a handful of teams, uh, you know, probably the ones that, that come to mind for most people who you're like, yeah, I just haven't thought a ton about them for fantasy, but uh, I tried to do a mix of, you know, teams I'm excited about such as Baltimore. uh, And then a couple of the other teams that we'll get to that have some pretty serious questions, but uh, the, the through line here is that they're all, they're all going to be, you know, very fantasy relevant. You know, we're not talking about teams that have guys that were, you know, grabbing in the the two hundreds, the two fifties. These these are big name guys and guys that are going to shape the fantasy season. So we begin with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I, I, I am very curious to see, how different this offense looks, right? I, I mm-hmm. think they they finally came through personnel-wise for Lamar Jackson. I, I think this is the best supporting cast 
maybe on both sides of the ball that he's had. Uh, I mean, the Roquan Smith trade uh, was a huge hit. He's just such a perfect fit. I know our, our guy, John McKechnie, has said that this version of the Ravens defense, you know, reminds him of some of those great, great Ravens defenses 10, 15 years ago. And, and I agree with him. And it kind of starts with that linebacker play. So, um, you know, that's kind of non-fantasy, but I, I just think as a, a real-life team, that this team is really, really well-rounded. Um, but it, it starts with Lamar Jackson, right? And this, this will only be Lamar's fifth season, excuse me, as a full-time starter. For, to me, it seems like he's been in the league much longer than that, uh, maybe because we just talk about him so much. But, Jeff, Baltimore is 45-16 and 16 with Lamar Jackson as its starting quarterback over wow. the last four and a half years. That is a 74% win percentage in the regular season when Lamar Jackson is healthy and starting uh, again, I think he has the best wide receiver core that he's had around him. He still has a guy who I think could pretty easily make a case to be the number two tight end clearly in the entire NFL in Mark Andrews uh, fantasy wise though. What, one of the first things I want to bring up, does the increase in talent of this receiving core impact the way that you, you think about Mark Andrews at all? Because for the last few years, it's felt like, you know, he's so clearly been their best pass catching option, but there, there are other names now that we have to consider finally. Yeah, uh, honestly, I I think there's more of an emphasis on passing, so it doesn't. I'm not that worried about Andrews. I think you know okay. he'll benefit from the the rise in attempts. If anything, it's you know there's been a lot of talk about Lamar running less, which you know that that actually would worry me more about Lamar than and than the receivers. Although I think he will yeah. gain in the passing yards some, but obviously you know the rushing yards and rushing touchdowns have such a disproportionate impact on fantasy football. Um, but no, I, I'm not really worried about Andrews. If anything, I'm actually encouraged um, because I, I think that you saw what Todd Munkin did in Georgia uh, with his tight ends. He had two awesome tight ends there, and they were among the leaving, leading pass, catcher, catcher, pass catchers mm-hmm. there, easy for me to say. I'm actually kind of more optimistic about Andrews. Uh, I, I think I will have a couple of shares of him this year. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to pay up, but you're not paying up quite as much as you were last year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you make a good case. And he was also, he was also either out or banged up for what felt like what, at least half the season. Uh, yeah. I, I thought he never, never really regained form after coming back down the stretch. And part of that was Lavar was out and the offense was just kind of, uh, you know, a shell of itself with, with Tyler Huntley and, and Anthony Brown. But uh, yeah, I think he's positioned really well for a bounce back here. I mean, Again, this is a really interesting team. I mean, they were not a bad team last year. They, they ran no. into some injuries, still made the playoffs. Their highest-ranked fantasy running back was J.K. Dobbins at RB48 to end the year. Their highest-ranked fantasy receiver was Devin Duvernay at wide receiver 53. Uh, that's pretty rare, right? Wow. I think, to, to win double-digit games, make the playoffs, and really have like no you know, consistently high-impact player at running back or receiver. And again, injuries were a big part of it. Bateman missed time. I get all that. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the year this year, it's going to be completely different, right? Whether you're a Dobbins guy or not, I think he probably ranks higher than RB48. And I mean, they could have they could have three receivers who are in you know the top 60 in fantasy. That's that's not crazy. So which of those three receivers are you interested in drafting? I, I'm still a Bateman guy. I, I think, you know, he, he's still on pup right now, uh, dealing with the aftermath of that foot injury. So that's that's always going to be a concern. But I, I think he's looked really good when healthy. I you know, was, was a huge fan of his dating back to his Minnesota days, which says a lot uh, because you know how much I, I despise that program, but uh, he was somebody I, I always respected. And I, I think he's just a really good player when healthy, you know, with Odell, <laughs> we'll see. Right. Um, I, I've, I've grabbed him in a couple spots, not somebody I'm really targeting at this point. I, I try to stay away from the guys who are you know a much bigger name than they are producer, but 
I think he's going to be in a decent spot. Again, somebody, if he stays healthy, um, you're going to feel a lot better about it. And then, you know, Zay Flowers, I like, you know, we, we talked to Mario Puig about him last week on the radio show. He, he yeah. thought he was maybe a little bit overdrafted, bit of a reach there. Um, I, I, I haven't really grabbed him in too many spots. I, you know, maybe I'm just not used to like having to think about the number three wide receiver on the Ravens. Yeah, well, and it's interesting to me that Flowers goes ahead of Bateman and OBJ. I, I, I would go Bateman, Flowers, OBJ myself. Okay. Uh, but I think the gap between Flowers and OBJ mm-hmm. should be pretty much nil. I think, you know, Bateman has his own injury concerns, including even the start of camp here this year. So I, I understand the reticence even with him. I, you know, there's there's something to drag each of them down, right? Yes. Um, and which also but that that's why you're getting them at prices in the hundreds though too that's why they right. all they're all pro- possible profit centers um uh, because of they're the all appropriately price. priced i think yeah. is is how i would put it yeah and um yeah I, I think that makes me more comfortable with it i i i am going to assume that this offense is going to look really good I, I think the the greg roman schemes you know everything just kind of felt like it was time there and you know i, I think I've not really read or heard anything to dissuade me from Todd Munkin kind of infusing exactly what this offense has needed. Uh, so I'm high in Baltimore. I am. Uh, it, it, the only thing is they, they do have a, a relatively tough schedule. Now they get, they get the AFC South and they get the NFC West, which are fairly friendly divisions. Obviously that includes the 49ers, but you're getting, you know, you're getting the Rams, you're getting the Cardinals, um, but every other team in your division also has those. And then there are three, there are three like non-division rotational games are Miami, the chargers and the lions. I mean, that that's, that's a tough draw, especially for a non first place schedule. Yeah, it is. It is that Miami Baltimore rematch. I hope it lives up to the original, but uh, <laughs> that, that was super fun. Um, and I, you know, as a, as a Bengals fan, I kind of hope it has the same result too. would be nice, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge a lot farther uh, down the line. All right, let's move on to the next team. Let's stay in the AFC. Let's go with the Denver uh, Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, already bad news for them today. Mm-hmm. Tim Patrick went down with a non-contact injury on his other leg. You know, missed all of last year at the torn ACL. I was kind of low-key high on Patrick. I thought he was like one of those guys yeah. that could have been pretty sneaky, maybe be better than uh, uh, Cortland Sutton, for instance. Now we'll see. I mean, it doesn't look good. I, I haven't seen anything in the last half an hour to see if that uh, has, anything's changed to see that, if it's confirmed that was a, a long-term injury for him, but bad news. He had to be, he was like carted off and then later seen on crutches entering the locker room. Yeah. This was one too, where, you know, the initial reports from beat writers on the scene said that, you know, as soon as he went down, he's grabbing at the leg, he threw his helmet, um, you know, kind of one of those situations where he, you could tell that he knew, uh, that this is not going to be just a, a rolled ankle. Um, there, right. there are some reports now. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. If, you know, this is not Adam Schefter or anything, but I'm seeing some some Twitter reports that um, they believe it's an Achilles for mm. Tim Patrick. Um, which, again, this is the opposite leg of the the knee that cost him all of last season. But you you do see this, you know, a decent amount in in the NFL and in, in the NBA as well, where you kind of get that overcompensation, right? Where you're you're rehabbing one, you know, your your kind of your weight balance is off the way that you uh, you, you kind of shift everything as you heal. Uh, you know, it, it's it's relatively common to to see you know the other leg be affected. I think Demarcus Cousins is always the first name that comes to mind for him or for that. You know, I think he he yeah. tore his Achilles and then tore his ACL immediately in the other knee right after. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully this we're we're like incorrect and all this reporting over the last two hours has been wrong and it's it's not an Achilles. But uh, look, if, if you're listening to this right now, um, pretty good chance that that Tim Patrick is going to miss a second straight season and. You know, at this point, 
Jeff, you got to start thinking about like, you know, where's, where's his career even at after this? Right. Um, uh, you absolutely do. And you know, it's just a guy that hadn't really, you know, he's, he's flashed for us, but he's not like a, a stable producer to begin with here. So yeah, now, uh, yeah, kind of have to, he's definitely out of my top 150 after this for sure. And we'll see, yep. probably just not drafted at all. Uh, the Denver Broncos, lots of change, lots of uncertainty. You got Sean Payton, first of all, as the head coach, you know, stop talking about other coaches, Sean. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, you've got, you know, other key players come off of injury. Javante Williams coming off of an injury. CJ Hamler on the dreaded non-football injury list. You know, that thing is such a dodge. CJ Hamler got, got hurt working out in the offseason, trying to get ready for the season. Uh, but the NFL has this designation. It just shows, like, how little power the players have. Uh, that the non-football injury designation exists and allows teams to not play players that are hurt. And they already have such a career short career span. Really, just to... It just grinds my gears a little bit there. Yeah. I mean, if the players are able to like negotiate to get some of their salary back, which is just such a like, weird dystopian thought that you have to, yeah. you know, you're, you're injured and you're like basically begging for, for any sort of compensation. So yep. yeah, this, this one is uh, definitely pro team. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler is dealing with a, a pectoral injury, uh, something that he's been dealing with, you know, since back in the spring before OTAs. So we'll, we'll see how long he remains on that list, but, uh, he, he's somebody I really liked a lot too. I mean, at the college level, a uh, really, really good player, really fun player at yep. Penn state, a little bit undersized, but someone who always played a lot larger than his frame. And, uh, you know, he's only played in 10 games over the last two seasons. So, um, you know, for the second straight year, they're, they're kind of depending on, on KJ Hamlin. Hopefully this time around he can stay more healthy. And, you know, I think we got to bring up our guy, Marvin Mims too, who, who's now in competition pick. for that. Yeah. In competition for that number three receiver spot. But also dealing with a hamstring issue of his own, too, which is uh, right. yet, yet another uh, sure annoyance. Just look at the uh, capital that they've uh, the Broncos have uh, spent on wi the wide receiver position. Jerry Judy, first round, 1.15 in his draft. Cortland Sutton was taking, taken in the second round. Mims was taken in the second round. Hamler was taken in the uh, second round. That's a lot of early wide receiver picks. You know, they should have, like, this great wide receiver room, but between injury, bad quarterback play, and... You know, it, it's really been a they've been really having a hard time getting out of the blocks. And then there's always there's there's the Russell Wilson questions like, can Sean yeah. Payton fix him? Look, I, I hope he can. Uh, I, I continue to subscribe to the belief that it just simply cannot be as bad as it was last year. And mm -hmm. if, if I was Sean Payton, I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, kind of parading around the media before I've even coached a game for the Broncos. But I, I also think it, you know, Sean Payton is in that inner circle right now of, you know, best active NFL coaches. And he's somebody that has experience. He's not just spouting off to spout off. Like, right. I, I think that's, you know, he, he felt comfortable saying that about, about this team and about Nathaniel Hackett, uh, which is probably reflective of the way that a lot of coaches around the league view, you know, how much of a disaster this was last year. So to me, it's an indication that he thinks, you know, this could be fixed. I wouldn't say easily, but I think the problems are, are pretty identifiable and, Look, you know, I'm, I'm not an NFL coach, but we you could watch this team for the first two weeks of last season, and you knew you're like, wow. I mean, we've seen bad coaching, but this this is kind of on a different level. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, just like the two minute drills every week were were really bad. Um, yeah, the, the, the everything about that sequence uh, it, uh, went poorly. The offensive line had major injuries. That's something that we don't spend as much time talking about. Javante Williams is coming back from major injury. They got Samaje P. Ryan now as his backup. Uh, th there's a whole lot of uh, uncertainty with this team, but 
I feel like there's like this huge boom potential still uh, with Peyton, with uh, Wilson. You know, there's a lot of reputations yeah. on the line here. Um, yet, if you look at if if you look at uh, like where these guys are getting drafted, the fantasy community doesn't feel that way. You look at Russell Wilson; he's QB 18 right now. Mm-hmm. He's not QB. You know, I, I you don't have to put him in the top 10. Like I could see, you know, don't put him ahead of like Watson or Tua. But wow, like got behind Cousins, behind Daniel Jones, behind Geno Smith, uh, you know, it just, behind Anthony Richardson for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Those, these are that's pretty eye opening to me. You look at the wide receivers, uh, you know, Jerry Judy is the top one. He's wide receiver nineteen. He's end of the third round, beginning of the fourth. You look at, uh, and you have to go scroll pretty far down for the next Denver wide receiver. Yeah. And now maybe, uh, yeah, unfortunately with Patrick getting hurt, there might be more definition that might raise someone like Horton Sutton, who's currently wide receiver 46. Uh, there, there's a pronounced lack of belief in the Broncos right now. I think that speaks to just how bad it was last year, right? Yeah, Where it's like, I agree. yeah, you could get, you could get this thing turned around and it's like, I don't, to me, I, I don't know that there's still sky high upside here. It's like, could they win? 10 maybe 11 games in a best case scenario and, and make the playoffs as a wild card like yeah i guess that's in the cards but i i, I don't I, I think we saw enough cracks last year and and you know if you want to say it's all coaching i i get it i think the coaching was that bad but uh I, I was really high on this team last year i thought they could win 12 13 games i thought they could go to the super bowl uh i mean they were so bad in you know every phase of the game especially offensively i mean defensively they were a very very good defense for much of the year that slipped a little bit at the end but i, I don't really fault them for that um, you know, if, if you think the defense is going to be just as good and you think Sean Payton can put together a slightly above league average offense, then yeah, you could squint and see it. But uh, I just, there's just not a ton of precedent, I guess, for a quarterback looking as lost as Russell Wilson was right. last year and then snapping back into being like a top five to 10 guy. Uh, so I, I think he's being drafted appropriately. And again, part of it is there's just there's just so many really good quarterbacks in so many situations that we feel right. good about. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, just about every team has a direction right now, whether it's a young quarterback, whether it's a rookie, they just drafted, whether it's a veteran, like they're, you know, usually you go into a year and there's like five, maybe as many as like six or seven teams where you're just like, Oh man, they're, they're in that middle zone. I'm, I'm not touching Marcus Mariota on the Falcons. Like we just, we don't have a lot of those situations this year. So the quarterbacks that you're getting in the QB 12 to QB 20 range, it's like, you know, I, I feel pretty good about Jared Goff. He's going QB 17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, kind of you're making the point or making the argument in favor of waiting on quarterbacks by the way again if you do if you if you're pretty comfortable with some of these guys in that spot uh what's your next team nick i'll try to go a little faster through these next two uh believe it or not jeff you and you and i are being a little long-winded i, I could not I be us we've never shocking. done that before shocking i'm going to the nfc both of my last two are nfc teams the tampa bay buccaneers uh just a a complete turn for Tampa Bay, right? I mean, this is a team that missed the playoffs 12 years in a row. Tom Brady shows up. They're instantly, you know, one of the premier franchises in the league. They're, you know, everything changes overnight for them. Uh, now Brady's gone and it, it feels like everything is flipped again overnight and expectations have plummeted. Baker Mayfield's your quarterback. Uh, you know, it's just called everything into question. Like this, this three-year window of Tampa Bay uh, being one of the teams that we talk about most in the NFL. Uh, it's just over just like that. And I, I, I don't know that it's clear what direction they want to go in. Like, to me, it is most likely that they, they pull back, whether that's intentionally or something that just happens naturally. And you're know, trying to focus on finding that next quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft. But you could also convince me that they're going to push to win eight, nine, 10 games in a bad division 
and try to make the playoffs. Like to me, Todd Bowles doesn't strike me as the, t- the kind of coach who just wants to go in the tank one year after losing Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So, uh, you know, to me, it's, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one there. Um, mm-hmm. Evans Godwin Evans goes pretty late. You, you he goes, you know, Godwin usually goes a little earlier than, uh, Evans does. And I keep thinking, this is still Mike Evans though, right? I, it, how bad can Baker Mayfield be? Okay. Now could be really bad. Godwin though is wide receiver 27. Mm-hmm. Evans is wide receiver 33. These are guys that used to be top 15 wide receivers. And I don't think, especially in the case of Godwin, I don't think the skills have diminished. It's just, it's a huge bet against the quarterback, against the team context. And I'm never going to tell anybody to not bet against Baker Mayfield. Like, I, I don't think this team is going to be good. I, I, I think Baker Mayfield is a bad quarterback. With that said, the Bucs were 25th in points scored last season, right? So it's, it's not like they were, you know, they were third and they were second in Brady's first two years. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're going from scoring 30 points a game. And now we think they're going to struggle to get to, to get to 17 every week. I mean, this was already an offense that had kind of had the wheels come off last season. And despite that, Mike Evans still finished as wide receiver 16 Godwin wide receiver 26. Um, you know, I, I I'm with you on Mike Evans to me at cost. He's the guy that I'm, I'm still much more comfortable targeting. I mean, wide receiver 33 for a guy who has a really good chance to be, one of only, I think it would be like 11 players who've had a hundred career touchdown receptions. Like I, I think we're jumping off of Mike Evans a little bit too early. And the thing that steers me to hit to him more so than Godwin is I, you know, the, the one thing you could say about the Bucks offense last year, it was, it was the worst rushing team in the NFL. They, they were lasted attempts, lasted yards, lasted touchdowns, lasted yards per attempt. Like it was horrible, but they were a, an extremely high volume passing offense. They were quite literally the team that attempted the most passes on the year I, I don't think that's going to be the case again. You're, you're not going to run that kind of offense with Baker Mayfield. You could get away with that with Tom Brady. You're not doing it with Baker Mayfield. You know, if, if we say that, okay, maybe just for argument's sake, they throw the ball 80% as much as they did last year. That worries me more for Chris Godwin, who's the target hog. You know, he's the guy that, sure. that, that was still giving you eight catches for 71 yards last year. And in PPR leagues was still really good. You know, if, if this is going to be a boom or bust offense, an offense that relies more on big plays instead of dinking and dunking every single play, I think Mike Evans is the guy that has the higher ceiling there. I agree with that. Uh, I, 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 offensive line was really a, a, just a mess last year, yep. both because of the, you know departures and via free agency, uh, surprise retirement, and then yep. an injury, a massive injury in training camp. Uh, and it's not a good offensive line this year, but can it be a little better than last year? I think it's possible. And that will determine whether they can go deep. Yeah. Well, it'll determine if they can actually run the ball. I mean, again, th- this was a horrific running yep. team last year and, and and it got to the point where in in most games they just abandoned it after the first couple of series like they just couldn't run the ball yeah. uh, but they, they do have a new oc you know no more byron leftwich dave canales comes in from seattle a team that's obviously run the ball really effectively for the most part over the last decade so i, I think there's some reason for optimism there uh the, the last thing i'll say about tampa bay uh we, we never talk about their tight end position it's like not even a consideration kate otten is going right. as tight end 35 right now uh, we'll see if uh, it was like Payne Durham or something, some rookie out of Purdue. You know, there's been some rumblings that that, that maybe he can earn some snaps as well. But, um, you know, not, not a whole lot to say here fantasy-wise, but it's just interesting that this is one of those teams that we almost don't even think about for that position. Yeah, to that point, um, you know, most teams, like there's about six or seven players that get drafted in every draft. In the NFFC, in the last two weeks, there are three bucks that have been drafted in all 40 drafts. Godwin. Rashad White, Mike Evans. That's it. That's the list. 
Crazy. Leonard Fournette's a former buck who's still out there in the waiver wire, the ether right now. Um, he gets drafted in every draft. Baker Mayfield, 17 drafts. Chase Edmonds is the backup there. There's a little bar trivia for you there. He's he's getting taken in 24. Um, you know, the Bucks defense has been taken about roughly half. I mean, it's it's thin. It's really thin. I mean, it just you know, it, it, you know, I see Tom Brady's been drafted twice, by the way. I think that's kind of funny. He's he's listed among the quarterbacks. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's not coming back, guys. Yeah, Don't do that. Good, good, good to see Mike Doria jumping in on, on some of these drafts. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know who's not getting taken a lot? He's getting is Russell Gage, who's like their number three wide receiver nominally, and he he's like his ADP is pretty darn low because of that. But um, people were excited about Russell Gage this time last year. Yeah, it, it, it is true. All right. Um, before we move on to the next team, got to share a quick note from Fantrax. For you fancy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top fantasy dynasty football platform in the industry. Are you coming from another service? Not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. If you ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player, Fantrax Commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there is anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. Plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Jeff Erickson and Nick Whalen here. Uh, before we jump into the next team, quick note. Uh, we are running a, a, a free trial. Today's actually the last. We're going to be running free trials, but we're doing a special for uh, July. And if you go to rotowire.com slash pod, get your free trial. No credit card required. We're also going to donate a dollar to fantasycares.org. Great uh, uh, charity that buys like uh, Christmas toys for underprivileged children, among the many other things it does. Scott Fish from Scott Fishbowl uh, has, has, that's his big charity, uh, likes to support that. So, hey, do well and do good at the same time. Rotowire.com slash pod, $1 goes to fantasycares.org. Please do that today. Uh, let's talk about the next team on our list, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they're to me, they're they could be a bit of a boomer bust team. Uh, Nick, you've got a big three. You've got Bijan Robinson now drafting the first round. You've got Drake London. You've got, of course, Kyle Pitts. But do you have a quarterback in Desmond Ritter that can carry these three? Uh, well, I saw a video of Kyle Pitts making an, an awesome move uh, to get open in camp today, and Desmond Ritter threw the ball like two yards behind him, um, which is concerning. It's just one throw, but uh, mm-hmm. not what you want to see like moments before you're talking about the Atlanta Falcons on a podcast. Uh, I, I think the jury's out, right? I mean, we have not even seen Desmond Ritter play with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was right. shut down by the point we saw Desmond Ritter last year. 
Uh, I don't know if the plan was ever for Ritter to even get real snaps as a rookie. Obviously, the, the Mariota situation deteriorated in a way that the Falcons could not have predicted. But uh, I, I just there's no way to know. There's no way to know um, what we're talking about. A guy who is a great, great college quarterback, kind of you know not not really the type of player that anybody ever projected as a first round pick. You know, kind of went in the mid rounds. That seemed to be about fine. And you know, those players they have a lower hit rate than the guys that are our first round targets, but we've also seen, we've seen it work. Right. And those type of players to me, they don't, they don't tend to have the sky high ceiling. Um, and obviously you could say, well, Tom Brady went the sixth round. Yes, I get that. But yeah. in general, you know, when you find a, when you find a quarterback in the you know third, fourth, fifth round, they tend to be more of like the high end game manager types. And I think that's exactly what you're asking of Desmond Ritter. Not, not only this season, but, but really in the long terms, like you don't need him. You don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. You just need him to play, like league average football. And, you know, there, there's a lot of teams around the league that I think are in that same situation, including the team that I'll talk about next. Um, but, but we'll focus on Atlanta here. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a puzzling situation because of that big three, like you mentioned, like if they, if they had a proven quarterback in there, even like a Jimmy Garoppolo type or Derek Carr, I, I, I think we'd be, we'd be talking about this team as, you know, maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but right. uh, the type of team that if everything hits right, you're like, man, I mean, this could be one of the best offenses in football. Yeah, we already know that they're going to be one of the better running offenses in football. Yes. 159.9 uh, rush yards per game. They ran the ball 559 times last year uh, for a team that was not like 10 and seven or something like that or, or better. That's a lot of rushing attempts. Infamously, they would run the ball even when well, well behind in many oh, yeah. cases. For instance, against the Bengals, uh, I remember that game vividly down three touchdowns and they're still running the ball like a had like a 10 minute drive in the third quarter. Uh, they did score on that drive, but man, they they chewed up all the time. They they did the Bengals work for them on that drive. Yeah, well, they knew their strengths and they knew their weaknesses last year, and throwing the ball was a major weakness. So I think they leaned they leaned like as far into one side of the ball as we've really seen. Um, and you know, having a quarterback who's who's mobile in Marcus Mariota for most of the year helped. I mean, Ritter Ritter could move. Uh, he's, he's not Justin Fields. He's not Jalen Hurts. You, know, you don't necessarily have to. Uh, uh, you know, kind of plan for that fantasy wise in the way that you would some of the other true running quarterbacks. But I, I think they'll use him in that respect a little bit. We saw that at Cincinnati as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess how much does Desmond Ritter uh, affect the way that you think about Drake London and, and especially Kyle Pitts? Because I, I do feel like you still see a lot of people, you know, take Kyle Pitts as that fourth tight end, maybe more often fifth tight end in a draft. Right. And you, you're still saying, well, you know, he's such a talent. And I, I almost don't, I almost don't really see the Ritter, connection to to Kyle Pitts as much as you do when you're talking about uh the, the receivers like London yeah I think that's fair um I yeah and to the point I mean Ritter doesn't get drafted in every single draft I mean it, that, right. that's that's one of the things where you're like oh okay um there, there's not a whole lot of belief uh so they're kind of like kind of like the Falcons we have a very narrow tree I think that's good like there are there are like four or five guys that uh, you yeah. expect to do a whole lot and and to that point you know can you name the number two wide receiver on the falcons this year uh, i can but I, I think it's only because he kind of went viral over the weekend for bulking up and looking like he's on steroids back hollins yeah yeah um that, that's correct the only other wide receiver for the Falcons that's been drafted in any NFC draft NFFC drafts in the last two weeks. And he's been in 19 of the 40, no other Falcons wide receivers get drafted. I mean, some teams have like four guys get drafted from their wide out uh, from their wide receiver yep. room. It's Scotty Miller, Kaderil Hodge, Frank Darby, you know, 
there, this is not, you know, JC, JJ Arcea Whiteside downside uh, is there. Um, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of uh, people that we want to take flyers on. And there's just not enough attempts to go around. I think that's the other thing. Yes. John o. Smith is going to eat into Kyle Pitts a little bit, perhaps, too. Although the argument is that maybe he'll suck up all the uh, the blocking duties. So yes. Pitts essentially is a wide receiver. I think that's the argument. Yes, exactly. I, I think, you know, they're, they are the anti-Chiefs in that way where, like you said, you have like basically one and a half guys who get drafted in most drafts at receiver, whereas the Chiefs mm -hmm. have seven. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of these teams that when you look at the depth chart at receiver, you say, man, it's pretty bleak beyond the top two. Yeah. You know, more often than not, those teams have a great tight end. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. OK, they basically have a tight end who plays receiver. Uh, so they're, they're actually, I, I really like their depth chart at tight end. I like the depth chart at running back, you know, behind Bijan, you still have Tyler Algier. You still have Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, I, Cordero Patterson, I, I don't really know what role he's going to fill this year. You know, we, we, they talked about scaling him back last year. They did that as the season went along. And I, I think we just kind of see a further scaling back uh, of Cordero Patterson. I mean, maybe, maybe they use him more as a pass catcher. I, I'm not really sure. He's somebody I've been a little confused by. Yeah, uh, another guy that's a wide receiver that's listed at another position too. So they have two mm -hmm. such guys. So that that's kind of speaks well, to I, your. I, I also saw today that uh, one of their beat writers tweeted out that they ran what appeared to be a jet sweep to Felipe Franks today at practice. Sure, why not? So, uh, as you know, Felipe Franks is listed at quarterback. Has uh, has a, a passed as a as a pass catcher, but um, yeah, maybe that's the solution here is just kind of finding receivers at other positions. Need more Taysom Hills, not fewer. Yes. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Perfect, perfect transition point to talk about the Packers. Uh, your your final team on this list. Yeah, and the first thing I have written down here is can Jordan Love just play slightly above average football? Because mm -hmm. I, I think there there is a case to be made that uh, look is, is this team going to be better without Aaron Rodgers? No, I, I don't want to entertain that argument. But I, I think there's a case to be made that they could be very similar uh, as far as end result to last year, which was still you know it was a disappointing season, but they had a chance to make the playoffs the final week of the year lost at Detroit, um, you know, having a more controlled offense, a quarterback who can be coached more easily, I think kind of, uh, you know, had, had the, the puppet strings pulled a little bit more easily by a, a, a good coach in Matt LaFleur. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, right? I think it's, it's awesome to have a superstar hall of fame quarterback, but it also requires you to tolerate a lot of freelancing, especially when that, when that player is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's going to happen with Jordan Love, right? I, I think, especially in his first year as a starter, it's like he's going to do everything to prove that he's the guy. So I think if you're Matt LaFleur, you're this offensive coaching staff, like you, you now have full control of the offense that you want to run. And I, I think Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, did, a, did an okay job of meeting Matt LaFleur in the middle. He won two MVPs. You, you can't say it went poorly. Um, but I, I think there are probably a lot of things that the Packers wish that Aaron Rodgers would have done differently. And, you know, now you have a quarterback who, you know, hopefully he can make those same throws. But if nothing else, he's going to, he's going to run the offense the way you want it to be run. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, one more, you know, can they can they get one or two more great years out of Aaron Jones, or is the, t the torch going to be passed at all to AJ Dillon? Uh, I, I'm not really an AJ Dillon guy. We'll see. No. I, I think this is kind of a, his final year to prove that he's anything close to the type of runner that we thought he was. You know, a lot of the advanced metrics indicate that he's just a terrible short yardage back, which doesn't really make sense based on uh, you know the way he's perceived and the way he looks. So it, it's a prove it year for him. I'm very much in on Aaron Jones. I continue to grab him in a ton of drafts. I, I don't, I don't really understand why everybody's so down on him. You know, part of it is we, there, there are just a lot of talented running backs. And when you start listing them off, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to make a case for why he should go ahead of 
Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, et cetera. I get that. But uh, I, I, I don't really view him as somebody who is overly Aaron Rodgers dependent. And I, I think if this team, you know, is, is able to kind of play a more controlled style, maybe they're a little more conservative. That leads to more of Aaron Jones. I think he's the, the one kind of reliable force on this offense because you have an unproven quarterback. You still have some very unproven receivers. You're basically going to be starting two rookie tight ends. Uh, to, to me, he's the constant that they're going to depend on. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, he was so efficient too last year, 5.3 yards per carry. Yeah. Great year. Uh, yeah had, had a really good year. Uh, the only thing is he just didn't get goal line carries last year. It, right. it was really bizarre considering how badly AJ Dillon did with those goal line carries. It was like a 10 well, to that, two. And I mean, how, how many times too, is it, you know, it's second and goal from the one and it's like, all right, now we, we got to throw that fade to Randall Cobb. You know, I, I think they, <laughs> those are some of the plays now that it's like, that's just, that's not happening anymore. And that's a good thing for Aaron Jones. Yeah, that's true. And, or Dylan comes in, we got the jumbo package. Guess what we're yeah. going to do? I mean, yeah, there was a certain uh, amount of predictability towards that there. Uh, yeah. This is kind of a, another team with a little bit of a narrow tree. I mean, you got the two yep. backs. And then you've got uh, Watson and Dubs. I mean, after that, I mean, Jaden Reed does get drafted in every draft almost, almost every yeah. draft. Uh, the rookie out of Michigan State, but I don't know how much work he's going to get right away and whether he is in there ahead of Samari Torrey uh, to start the year, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but th this is this is another team where you're not seeing like 15 guys get drafted. There, there's a pretty tight core, yeah. which I like that. I like that predictability of usage. I like it until somebody goes down, right? And both Watson and Dubs were both mm -hmm. injured as rookies. Um, you know, you Bell can't point. necessarily say that both of those guys are going to play 17 games. So mm -hmm. I, th I think if, you know, in a vacuum, if you could turn off injuries, then yeah, I think they, they, they did enough to address that. But yeah, if Christian Watson misses four weeks, you know, it's, I think this team is going to really struggle because he's kind of their only really explosive option. You know, I think Aaron Jones to some degree is still, is still a home run hitter, but Christian Watson is that guy for this team. And yeah. Uh, I, I think they hope that Jaden Reed, you know, kind of has some of that ability, but you can't necessarily depend on that right away. And then, like you said, be, beyond Reed, you know, Samari Turi is somebody that's, that's gotten snaps over the last couple of years. I think they like him, but you know, he's a fourth or fifth receiver. And after that, you're getting just really unproven guys. And I mentioned tight end too. I mean, Luke Musgrave, uh, you know, T Tucker Kraft, they, they went back to back tight ends in the second and third round in this draft. You still have Josiah DeGuara, but uh, this is a team that, for the most part, has not really been able to succeed at that position. Robert Tunyon had the big year, I think it was 2020, when he was like tight end three or tight end four. But um, other than that, I mean, they've, they've thrown a lot of resources at tight end. It, it's just not really clear if that's going to pay off. Yeah, uh, that, that is absolutely true. Um, last, let's move on. Last team on our list here. That is the Houston Texans are kind of intriguing to me. Uh, I don't know if they'll be good. In fact, that no one expects them to be very good, but I'm kind of kind of intrigued about cj Stroud. what what does he do in his rookie year uh you know i i nico collins is interesting to me i think there's like a, a core of young guys that could be fun you know tank dell john mechie mechie is a, a kind of a, a black box right now we don't know what he's going to be after missing a full year like this but you know a lot of people you know a lot of people loved him at bama uh before right. you know all the health concerns with him but uh, they added Dalton Schultz too, for that matter. I don't think this is a dumpster fire offense this year. Is my point? No, I don't think so. And I mean, even compared to what we thought it would be last year, I wouldn't say it was a total dumpster fire, right? I mean, you had there were a couple games where Davis Mills just like kind of blew up, and uh, and you're like, okay, the Texans look like the Texans. But I, I thought Damian Pierce was a lot more effective than, than anybody expected. And you know, given the lack of weapons, uh, I thought this team actually moved the ball 
reasonably well. Like they were a really competitive team. I mean, they were, it felt like they were covering every week for a while there. Uh, they, they never really got blown out all that badly. I mean, Amari Rogers was like their number two receiver mm-hmm. <laughs> at times last year. He was just released over the weekend. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they obviously they still have a major talent deficit at, at some key positions. Like they're still, you know, multiple years away, I think from, from really competing, but you know, in theory, you have your quarterback, uh, you know, I think Nico Collins as kind of a, you know, we'll see what he becomes type of guy as, has, has looked like a hit so far. You know, you mentioned John Mechie, hopefully he can kind of come all the way back. I'm surprised that their win total is as high as it is. It's at six and a half. Uh, you know, Indy's also at six and a half, Tennessee's at seven and a half. So I think maybe part of that is they think that, you know, those three teams maybe, maybe split or beat up on each other in the division, but Right. Um, you know, it, it feels like nobody's talking about Houston. Everybody's saying they're still a ways away. Like six and a half is higher than I would have expected. I and I think it's you. You pinpointed the reason though. It's the division. I mean, I, I think the division and youth tends to get better quicker than people realize. I think in most sports, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I I know I think it's true in in the NFL. I think it's true in ba- in, in in base major league baseball. I think it's true in a lot of a lot of arenas. There there. Don't get me wrong. Experience has a, has a certain value, but mm-hmm. athleticism also really carries the day too, especially in second halves of seasons. Yes. And we should note, I mean, they, they, they still have a ways to go. I think defensively, that's where they were really behind last year, but you know, yeah. you add Will Anderson, that's a blue chipper, Derek Stingley coming back healthy. Uh, you know, Jalen Petrie had his moments last year. Uh, and, and I think the other thing too, and we'll see, you know, how much is actually in their control when it comes to this, but Houston does not control its first round pick next year by virtue of moving up in the draft to get Stroud and Will Anderson, right? I mean, that pick yeah. goes to Arizona. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's no motivation here to to tank for the second year in a row. Correct, correct. And they finally have their head coach. And, you yeah. know, it, even though they weren't called interim head coaches, the last two coaches were hired to be fired, basically. And now D'Amico yeah. Ryans is someone they, they, you know, was everybody's target. He was someone that everybody at least wanted to interview. Um, and now... You know, he, he, he's a prized head, head coach. Now he's got his job. You, you would think the defense at least is going to be a lot better because of that too. And there's going to maybe finally be some stability in Houston, which is, I think, one of the big you know things you need. I yep. mean, you need to keep head coaches around and coordinators around. You need to have a front office vision. And I think that they're kind of following that now. Yeah, I mean, they were put in a really unique situation, right, where you, you, you think that you have your quarterback of the future. You think you're set for the next decade, and then everything comes crashing down for, for right. Sean Watson. So it's it's not an easy pivot. And I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's their fault. It's like when, when that happens and you, you just kind of have to, like, give away your quarterback, and I know they got some decent draft capital back, uh, but, you you know, you kind of have to start over from scratch. And it, it got a little ugly there. The coaching uh, situation the last few years was, was not advisable, uh, the way they handled that. But – you're right. It, it does feel like they, they feel like, okay, now we can kind of reset. We have our team. You know, we, we don't need to be wandering around in the abyss anymore. We can, we can now start taking real steps forward as a team. Exactly. Right. Um, Damian Pierce, you know, strong, strong start to the season kind of fizzled at the end. Uh, he's kind of a tricky guy to value this year. ADP for him is like 67. That's like end yep. of, you know, that's like middle of the sixth round in the NFFC in the last two weeks. That's where he's been. If you want to put that just like ranking by uh, position uh, that puts him, what, where does that put him at running back? I'd say 25. Yeah, yeah. 24, 25, like right there with Dalvin cook, who still hasn't signed with the jets. Did any second now he's supposed to, but uh, he hasn't yet. Rashad white's there. Alexander Madison, Deandre Swift behind him, James Connor behind him. Where do you have Pierce in that grouping? I think where he's going 
is appropriate. You know, I think Damian Pierce and Rashad White to me are like the same guy this year. I, I have very similar concerns uh, about team context and, and things like that. I think they're kind of in similar situations divisionally, motivation wise for their team. So I, I, th- I think that's fine. You know, Madison, White, Pierce, that, that feels like a tier to me. Uh, we'll see on Dalvin Cook, you know, where he lands uh, before we start talking about that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think Damian Pierce, comparing him, to, like if you're saying who would you take in order, Pierce, Rashad White, James Connor. Oh, man. I, I think I would go Connor, White, Pierce. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're talking about the 24th through 26th best running back. So do you have right. a, a strong lean there? Um. I like White, Rashad White, because of okay. his pass catching skills. Uh, okay. And the, I think that the Bucks will be throwing the ball a lot. And so I think he'll be involved a lot in that, how, how that goes. But mm-hmm. uh, I can see the case for Pierce, too, um, just because of how good a runner he looks like. I just I don't trust him in the passing game as much as these guys. So in any sort yeah. of PPR league, I'm going to kind of discount accordingly. Well, it depends, too, how much they're willing to truly lean on him. I mean, he had five games with 20-plus carries last year and then yep. started breaking down and didn't play the, the last four weeks. So, uh, you know, they, they have a, a more capable number two now in Devin Singletary, which, yeah. which worries me a little bit. It's, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to lean quite as heavily into Damian Pierce. You know, you want to you kind of develop C.J. Stroud on the fly as much as you can as well. But, uh, you know, he's still – it's tough like you're, when you're on the Texans right now with, with where they are. It's like, you're almost, you're almost like looked at differently. I think mm-hmm. if, if Damian Pierce was coming off of this season playing for a different team, we would view him entirely differently. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, also if he, you know, he didn't miss the last four games of the season yeah, with injury yeah. too. I mean, that that's the other thing um, It make, makes you wonder there, but I mean, on the bright side, the Texans are protecting him. They extended Tunsil. They, uh, uh, Shaq Mason, uh, they added Titus Howard. Uh, they they were investing in that offensive line. You like seeing a team that does that with a rookie quarterback coming in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I'll say it again. I mean, they still have a lot of work to do, I think, to get to where they want to talent-wise uh, overall. But a lot of the big pieces are are in place now. For uh, sure. You, know, it, you, you have your you know kind of premier pass rusher in Will Anderson. You have your premier cover guy in Derek Stingley. They added Shaq Griffin to that secondary as well. Uh, but – as always with, with a, a rookie quarterback, you know, you, you need to see him play or kind of show signs at least early on that he is on that elite level trajectory. Because when you see, when you see four or five quarterbacks go in the top 40 picks, uh, like, I, I don't think ever in history has it happened where all those guys end up hitting. Yeah, absolutely true. So uh, that, that'll be an absolute key for this team. Uh, any other Texans notes or anybody else that, of our six teams that you wanted to discuss that we missed? No, not really. Not Good. really. Uh, the, the only thing I will say going back to Tampa Bay, which is like an hour ago in, in podcast time, they have the third worst odds to make the playoffs in the entire league uh, ahead of only Arizona and Houston, which is is interesting to me with how close that division could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is that that's right. It's it, the pathway is the division, which is interesting. And the, Atlanta is right. a much higher win total than people realize, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing that, that people can take away from is like, I think their wind tolls like at eight and a, eight and a half or something of that nature there. So people are kind of bullish on the, on the Falcons. Uh, so we'll see, uh, how that translates, but, uh, anyhow, for a team that I don't think has a good defense, I think that was kind of you know eye opening a little bit there too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Tampa Bay's eight to one to win the division. So if you're, if you're, if any part of you is saying that you think Tampa might be good or you're for whatever reason, a Baker Mayfield fan, just, just bet them to win the division at eight to one instead of make the playoffs at four to one. Like they're, they're probably not getting the wild card. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great take. 
All right, that's going to wrap up today's pod. I want to thank uh, Circa and Fantrax. Thanks to the Blue Wire Network. And, of course, thanks to you uh, for listening. Of those who are in the chat, appreciate you as there as well. Uh, we got uh, Jake and Joe coming up again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.